Could you please share that so that we could be able to praise and worship with you? So I will go ahead and open the floor. So feel free, raise your hand and share as you are willing. just young people who's ready to come uh, was overwhelmed a lot of paperwork a um, couple times they rejected they tried to do it again and so two visa two visas for my sister and one of my niece uh, opened right now I'm crazy over that they're waiting for the others and uh, we're going to look for financial um ask god for buying tickets because if mm -hmm. 10 people will be approved about nine thousand dollars only for the tickets we need to come up with people need to pray for financial support the visa opening for the rest of them um and so that uh also we're looking for the um, uh, place to live so we have a website here in the black hills um, there's registered people who wants to provide for Ukrainian rooms or place to live. So we're kind of looking through them and to see if <laughs> will be um, able. So thank you for your prayer. I appreciate it. Thanks for that update, Tatiana. Yeah, we know it's been <laughs> stressful, but we're just so impressed by the hard work that you've been putting in to try to just get your family out, get your family safe, and to be able to file the paperwork for 10 people to get um, visas and to have refugee status is a lot. And so that's just great that you've been working on that. We're excited to hear that there are two coming. Um, and also, we are going to be letting you know um, soon of some of the ways that you can help um, because Tatiana's family um, is moving out of Ukraine on refugee status. And they're going to be landing here in this area. And they're going to need a lot of help and a lot of support. And so we're kind of putting together just a whole kind of picture of who this family is and what their needs are so that we can rally around them um, as a church family as they come in here, essentially um, with nothing. And so continue to pray for them and to continue to keep your uh, heart and your hands open potentially for maybe what God might do through you um, for these people who are coming as refugees. So stay tuned for that as well. So I just wanted to offer praise for my phone. God gave me <laughs> this week when I was very, very ill. I go from good morning to really mad quickly. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful for the learning as well. So I just praise God for that. Yeah, that's always a good reminder. That sometimes Holy Spirit is like grabbing our tongue. Here. I could use another roommate if anybody's interested. Let me know. Going <laughs> once, <laughs> going twice. <laughs> if you know of anybody, uh, get please get in contact with me. And I need prayers that we'd find somebody else to fill the third room too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great place, affordable, all the perks, right? Yeah, <laughs> awesome. But yeah, we'll pray for your roommate situation that you won't have to foot the entire rent and that you can have a friend moving in.
Hi, I'm Andy. Um, as most of you guys know, uh, our family is extended. And so uh, some praises need to be shared. We've been looking for a house, new house, bigger house, obviously, um, for quite some time now. And we are finally under contract Woo. on a new house. No way. Awesome. Um, our house will be going, uh, will be listed this Monday. So if anybody needs an adorable three bedroom that we put so, so much love and effort into, uh, let us know. <laughs> going once. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, praise God that you guys are going to get to have more space for that growing family. And so we'll be praying for all the different details going through that and for selling of the old house. Uh, so I'm Logan. Uh, we've been praying for a while for my cousin Mackenzie. Uh, she did have her baby on Wednesday, um, Elizabeth Irene. Um, her, her dad, uh, my uncle, was able to go see her then. I think the next day or even that night. And my grandma was even able to go see her yesterday. And my uh, apparently my dad's there now, so that's oh. news to me. What are you doing here? I I, I don't <laughs> know. It's down in Colorado, so, oh, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so that's just smart. Pr praise for that, but also prayers for them as they go forward. That yeah. have, those of us that have had babies, it's not easy. <laughs> You're just telling me this now? It's like <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. But, yeah, we know we've been praying for Mackenzie for a while. Uh, so we're just praying that God would use this little one, that this would be a bit of a wake-up call, that this would be a redirection. This is Ray. Uh, the theme this morning is is family for sure, and uh, uh, we love our uh, Common Ground family. And I would covet your prayers this morning that you pray for the Straub family. We just had a great sibling Christmas last weekend. And um, unfortunately, got news last evening. My brother next to me in age, three years younger, uh, went into a coma, healthy, all of a sudden into a coma last evening or a couple evenings ago. So he's hospitalized at the point they don't really know exactly what uh, brought this on. Um, they've ruled out heart. They've ruled out stroke. Not sure where you go from there. Pray for our family, please. Be praying for your brother and Dave there. Everybody, this is Corinne. Um, so I will be graduating less than a week from now. <laughs> well um, and uh, I <laughs> uh, like prayers for my family who will be driving out here um it's gonna be snowing on tuesday just for safe also um i'm kind of expecting there to be a little bit of tension with people who i've invited to be at my graduation and just like sticky relationships so it's like i would net and people would have calm hearts Pray for that. Pray, focus, stay the focus there. Celebrate this achievement. Mary, happy birthday, by the way. Wasn't it your birthday this last week? The fifth? Woo. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say um, Susie and Dave and Carrie and I went to the um, Zach Williams concert the other night. 
I got home, God began. So you please pray for me. break for prayer in a bit. You can come I think Kathleen had a place there. But when we break for a bit, what I have next then join Mary. Pray for her during that time. Yeah. You don't have to go now. <laughs> go ahead, Kathleen. I'm I'm letting triangle up. I'm not sure. I I'm not sure if um I trust my memory because I was in college. I think that's the reason I'm correcting you. No, I was looking at the paper again since I am sure really emotional for where it's supposed to go and mm-hmm. sometimes it comes up when I'm like Yeah, pray for that. That sounds like a common theme. The Spirit seems to be kind of working in release something. Grief was to hang on to. Different phrase. Um, God has brought me through. was a nurse, so there was a surgeon, so just thanks for sharing that, but praising God, excited to hear about your progress there through that in surgery this Tuesday and going through a lot. Susan, um, pray for Dave because he's got cancer. So mm-hmm. like a cancer is pretty yeah. rare he does anything. to be seen. Yeah. The nurses are nodding their head in the front row here. Yeah. But yeah, we know his back has been bothering him for a long time, so that's discouraging to hear that it's gone in the wrong direction, but we're going to be praying. We're going to pray that he'd heal that, even if it's been going on for a long time. 
Hi, I'm Tina. Um, I just would like prayers for my cousin who found out that she has cancer. She has a little six-month-old getting two-year-old, and um, they just started chemo on Monday. Yeah, um, it's hard. Never a good time, but just pray for your cousin and her little ones. She now begins treatment. Hi, I'm Kaylee. Um, I just want to offer praise for my brother. He's been going through um, this summer. It got pretty bad, um, and since then he has. It's um, like in his like habits and whatnot, and then also he um, I got to he's making a slow journey with it, and yeah. like him. So well, I'm praise God to continue. Yeah, and we've been praying for him for a while. But that's exciting. It's exciting to see. Progress in faith, moving of some of those things that have been really sending him in the wrong direction. Okay, well, you guys, thank you for sharing. Um, thank you um, for being vulnerable with these things and for um, trusting us with these things. Uh, constant reminder that I always want to bring up is be writing these things down so that you can pray throughout the week and maybe set a reminder in your phone so that it can schedule out a time to do that. I always think if, if something is important, then you schedule it. You make it automatic. And so I always try to enter these in um, to the calendar to remind me. Um, but because there are a few here, I'm going to ask you, try to recall, who just shared, who just shared a request, who just shared a praise, and look around and see who you are sitting closest to. And would you guys just move right now to those people um, who shared requests, um, or who shared praises. Would you make sure nobody is left out, move towards them? And I'm just going to have, if you guys gather around um, in a group, would you just have maybe one or two people um, pray for that request there? Um, some of you might be sitting next to another person who shared a request, and you yourself shared a request. Well, great. You can, share for, you can pray for that person as well. Um, but I'm just going to give you a few minutes to move, um, to get close to one another now and to pray for those requests. And if you didn't write it down or you don't remember, um, obviously that person's right there so they could remind you or you could just bring it up. But I guarantee you probably remembered it in that way. So I will begin us in prayer and just begin a short prayer. I'm going to give you guys a few minutes to pray for one another, and then I will pray to conclude. Sound good? Thank you, guys. Thank you for gathering around, being a church that prays. So let us approach God together. Um, Father God, we just thank you for being the God who hears us and sees us. We just thank you for being the God um, whose posture is towards us. As we gather together now, we just thank you for the promise that wherever two or more are gathered, that you are here in our midst. That when the church is gathered, you are just here in a unique way. And so we just recognize your presence here. And we speak directly to you. Not as if you're not in the room, but we just speak directly to you. And we thank you for that access. So Jesus... We just give these requests to you in your holy name. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
So, Father God, we sit here in your presence. Thank you for the people who are left or right in front of us, behind us. We thank you for these people that you've put in our lives. As we now come before the table, for your body and your blood, just remember the great love that you showed for us in dying for us. And we ask that you, through your Holy Spirit, would empower us to love one another in those same ways. As we come before your word today and as we hear what it means truly to love like you have loved us, God, we just commit to being open and honest about where we are at how we fall short of your love. And so we just thank you for being the God who pours it out nonetheless on us. We just desire to be a people motivated by that picture of love. And so would you, would you just put Jesus in the front of our minds during this time as we have gathered together to pray for one another? We declare our faith and our trust in you as a great physician. We declare our faith and trust in the Holy Spirit as our comforter. We declare our trust that, God, you are sovereign over all, that you are in control, that your will is good, better even than the things that we might want. And so we just submit in this moment, submit requests to you, and we submit the results into your hands. So God, we just thank you for these people, and we thank you that you've given them to us to love. Would you empower us to love the way that you have loved us, the way that you have shown your patience in listening to our requests, God. So Jesus, we just give you these requests. We give you this praise. Would you be glorified? And would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I'll give you a minute to find your way back to your seats because it's at this time that over the course of Advent, uh, we were considering how is it that we can make our worship gatherings here as a church all about Jesus? How is it that we can make our time all about Jesus? And so we're really intentional Obviously, with our teaching, of making the teachings all about Jesus, we're really intentional about the songs, about the things that we do um, in order to point our hearts and minds and point our attention on the person of Christ. And as we considered what could we do during this Advent season to focus our hearts and minds on Jesus, you know, in the past we've done different readings, we've lit candles as a reminder of Christ as the light in a dark place. Um, but this year, we're practicing communion um, every single week over the course of Advent, because if there is anything that I think that puts hearts and minds completely focused on the person of Christ, communion, communion. And so we've placed it in the center of our service over the, over the season of Advent, just as a reminder of out of the five different solas from the Reformation, that the center of those five is solus Christus, that it's Christ at the center. And so that's what we're doing here, um, is we are focusing our hearts and minds on the person of Christ. And so as we go into this time of communion, I just want to lead us in a bit of reflection um, before we jump right into it. Um, and as we talk about Christ's love this week, as we consider Jesus coming to be born, eventually, spoiler alert, of course, to die on the cross for us, um, we remember that Jesus came because of his love for us, that he came because of his love for you. So let me remind you of Romans 5.8 which says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or Ephesians chapter 5 reminds us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
So would you reflect right now the reality that Christ died out of love for you? That he did this for you. He didn't just do this for sin generally or just for the world generally, but also be reminded that corporately as Common Ground Church, for us, that individually for your sin, for you to be in relation with him, that he died for you. And so let's just take a few moments silence to pray and would you just simply pray these words would you just simply pray god thank you for loving me As we look to the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is correcting the church and their abuse of the Lord's Supper here. And he said that no doubt there have been differences among you. That he said, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. He goes on to correct some are getting drunk and finishing all the food, while some have nothing to eat. And he reminds them that the purpose of this is Christ's body. That he said, each person must recognize, he said, anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And he did two things in that moment, as obviously the body of Christ was Jesus on the cross, reminding us that this is what it's all about. It's about his blood, it's about his body, but also we are the body. We are the body. And he said, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Reminding them that this is also, because of Christ's love for us, this is also a motivation for our love for one another. And the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he said, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so now as we reflect before we come to the bread and the wine, would you simply pray this prayer? God, help me to love your people. God, help me to love your people. So now I'm going to trust that you just did that work before the Lord to receive his love for you and to pray that that love will be poured out on others. And so I'm going to invite you to come and to take the elements here in front and return to your seats. We have two in the front and there's one in the back. But as you finish praying those two prayers, would you come take the bread and the cup Turn to your seat.
So it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. So as you take and eat, would you remember that Christ laid down his life for us? records what he did next. And then he took the cup. He gave thanks, and he offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So drink, remembering that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So, Father God, we just thank you for your great love for us. We recognize that we didn't earn it in any way, but simply out of your goodness, your mercy, your grace, simply out of the fact that you are love, that you've loved us. So we just thank you. We thank you for loving us. And we ask, God, that you would help us to love your people, that you help us to just know the reality that Christ loved the church so much he gave himself up for her. So would you fill our hearts with that same love, that we would live on this earth just as Christ did. So we thank you, Jesus, for pouring out your blood for us, for your body broken for us. We thank you. It's in your holy name that I pray. Amen.
sense fighting over who goes up the stairs first, right? Okay. Hey, good morning, everybody. Our text today is going to be uh, Romans 5, which uh, Evan alluded to amazingly in the midst of our uh, Lord's Table celebration there. And uh, as I kind of get my stuff together here, uh, would you pray with me? Fathers, uh, as, as we now open your word, as we look into your word, um, uh, I, I realized at the beginning of the week, Lord, Monday, how much I needed your presence and your help, and here it is Sunday, the start of another week, and uh, nothing's changed. I still need desperately uh, your presence and your help, and I ask for that here for all of us, Lord, uh, because we want to handle your word with care. Um, fathers, uh, we seek to describe something that is absolutely indescribable. <laughs> uh, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would give us an understanding, that your spirit would bring conviction, um, Lord, that your spirit would uh, transform and work in our lives your glory. Uh, Father, I want to honor everybody's time here, but more than that, I want to I honor you as we Lord, help, help me to do that, help our ears, help our hearts uh, to be open, help our spirits to be yielded in this time, we pray uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. So, um, yeah, as I alluded to when I was praying, I have this tendency, I, I, I call it, this is my superpower, I can open my mouth and stupid things fall out of it, so it's always a little bit, uh, a lot of trepidation approaching uh, the, the pulpit, so to speak, here, the controlled music stand. Um, uh, some time ago, uh, when, when Lori and I were kind of courting, um, I, I was trying to impress her, I guess, because that's what guys do, and uh, I did not have my brain engaged. My mouth was running way ahead of my brain, and I, this is what I was intending to say, was get along, little filly. That's, that's what I intended to say, right? But I got my... my, my uh, my metaphor mixed up, and instead I said, get along, little heifer, okay? So I cannot tell you how, how extremely happy I am that today our pastor uh, made, a, made a bovine reference to his own wife, <laughs> and I somehow feel just a little bit more redeemed that that's what we do. We are guys, and we are idiots, you know, kind of thing. So uh, anyway... Um, I have a slide that I need to show you here. It has this number on it, uh, 174, 174, all right? Um, so as we approach Advent, um, we, we're talking about the four elements of each week leading up to Advent as we anticipate um, celebrating the arrival of Jesus Christ, come in the flesh, God in the flesh, come to us. And uh, Evan kicked us off talking about hope, the hope that we have and is realized in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we looked at uh, the, the crown and that Jesus is king, and as a king, he brings peace, and Joy did a great job of delivering that. Um, uh, my job today is to talk about something that I, I think we all know very well, and maybe sometimes we know it so well we forget what we're supposed to know. All right, and here's one of the reasons. 174, you, you want to know why that number's significant? According to IMDb, that is the number of Hallmark Christmas movies, all right? Okay? Yeah, that's, that's, that's them. 
uh, just if you're one of those people that really likes watching those, please understand today that I'm not judging you, all right? No, really, I am. I am. Because <laughs> I don't understand. Why would I watch a Hallmark Christmas movie when I can be watching Lord of the Rings or Braveheart or Saving Private Ryan or Gladiator or, or, or that sort of thing? But, but there they are. And, and really, it's 174 titles. There's only one movie. You can tell by that image right there. Uh, there's really only one movie, just uh, you know, one story, just 174 different ways that, uh, that they have uh, given that to us. But you see, that's, that's what we do uh, with love. That's what we do with it. Uh, we tend to understand it only in the terms of well, romantic fantasy, I guess. Uh, love in our human mundanity, is, is, it's, it's the gold medal that we're all striving for. The grand prize that propels us out of the loser's bracket into the winner's circle, right? Yeah, if I'd only find that one person. You know, if only, if only, you know, love would be reciprocated, then life would make sense and it'd all be what it ought to be. Don't we all kind of fall into that? You see, our culture has made love the defining goal of our existence, of humanity. The problem is, is that our culture should be the very last place we are going to go to define love. For the most part, love has now been restricted to a romantic or sexual experience uh, with very little or no restriction as to who participates in it and who can experience it. In, in essence, mankind has been promoting a caricature of love rather than the real thing, rather than the real thing. Now, a caricature, well, that's a cheap knockoff. So the cheap knockoff variety of love is alluring, but at the same time, uh, unsightly. It looks real good, but in substance, uh, I want to read a quote from Rebecca McLaughlin's book called Confronting Jesus. Uh, if you really want to get a good understanding of biblical love versus cultural love, uh, read this, this woman's writings. They're amazing. She wrote another book called The Secular Creed. And in The Secular Creed, love is love, right? And uh, yeah, she totally dismantles that biblically. Love is love includes God is love. When we understand God's love, then we can better understand how we as humans are supposed to be experiencing it. But here's what she said in her book, Confronting Jesus. When we can see that Jesus' love for us is the original, okay? When we talk about love, that's, that's it. That's the mold. That's, uh, that's the model, the pattern, the prototype, whatever it is. Uh, when, we, when we talk about love, that's where we go. Jesus' love for us. So when we understand it's the original, it helps us to understand both our deep craving for sexual and romantic love and our struggle to be satisfied with it. The craving can take different forms. For some, it's boundless sexual desire, the pull of Tinder, porn, one-night stands, affairs, or even serial relationships. For others, it's a longing for intense emotional connection. That person gets us completely, who knows us from the inside out, who shares every hope and dream. Modern Western culture has lionized romantic love and novel 
But if you want a good picture of lionized love, what you want to do is get on Netflix and instead of watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, uh, watch um, Eurovision, the story of Fire Saga, where uh, the guy who plays, uh, I think it's Matthew in uh, Downton Abbey, plays this Russian singer competing in Eurovision. He sings a song called Lion of Love. If you don't want to watch the whole movie, just just YouTube that that one, Lion of Love. And you're going to see, I mean, I, I think if anything, that, that satirical approach uh, really demonstrates what, what McLaughlin just said there. Now, please understand that I am not knocking romantic love at all. God even uses the picture of a bride and a bridegroom to illustrate his relationship with his people. But what we're tackling here is, is, is where we can easily make the mistake of minimizing or trivializing God's love into something less than what it is. Our, our cultural view of love is one that has been you know, cleaned up and spangled with puffies, posies, and possibilities. The love of God, on the other hand, So here's what we know about God's love, looking through the Old Testament. Uh, one of the clearest portraits we get of God's love we find in Hosea. Okay, Hosea, and uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her name because I can only see Gomer. Uh, when, is that how it's pronounced? No, I don't think so. All right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Hosea was a prophet, and Gomer was not. Uh, Gomer was a prostitute. She was an adulteress. She was a, uh, a wayward uh, young woman. And God said, uh, Hosea, I need to send a message to all of Israel where they're at in their relationship with me, so I want you to love. And it's really kind of interesting because Hosea is the same root, the same name for Jesus, salvation. And uh, the name for uh, Gomer is perfection. And when you read the story, you will not see any perfection here. If you want to find one of the most heartbreaking uh, narratives in the Old Testament text is found in the early chapters of Hosea and Gomer. And, and, and just so you know that that's not fictionalized, that's not a Hallmark movie or, or something like that, uh, Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, I remember the devotion of your youth. And this is God speaking to Israel. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness. That's what Hallmark love does, isn't it? following this person wherever they go, I go, that's the way. But then in the next chapter, uh, God goes on to say this, you have played the whore with many lovers and would return to me. It's not a pretty picture, is it? That's not a Hallmark movie uh, plot line that, that, that's being demonstrated here. Uh, he goes on further in chapter 3, Jeremiah speaking, Surely as a treacherous wife, speaking the words of God, surely as a treacherous wife leaves her husband, so you have been treacherous to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. Over and over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament narrative, that's what we see. We see Israel going, oh God, you're so awesome, you're so great, we love you. And then, oh, what's that? Constantly. And never once does God stop loving Israel. some muscular love there. That's, that's the kind of love that God The picture of God's relationship with his people is, is very much that of a troubled marriage. But God, who sees divorce as violence, Malachi 2, faithfully calling 
his wayward folly. Again, that's clear. His age. When I was preaching up at Nemo Community Church, I had a lot of Norwegian uh, ranchers up there. You just got to imagine that combination, Norwegian rancher, okay, right? You know, the Norwegians, they're the kind of guys that say to their wives, uh, why do I have to keep telling you I love you? I told you once, if anything changes, I'll inform you, you know, kind of thing. But these guys, you know, uh, a lot of them would not come to church except if there was a funeral or uh, it was Easter or, su- or, or Christmas, right, because they, they were keeping their wives happy. You know, and they would come to church at least those times. And I would sit down and have coffee. I would talk with these guys. I love these guys. These guys were awesome. And this was, this was kind of the overall impression I was getting from them, that when, when they heard about Jesus or when they thought about Jesus, uh, they only saw sort of this feminized L'Oreal hair ad uh, picture of Jesus. And, you know, these, these are these tough, curly-burly guys, you know, and they're just like, God, this doesn't, you know, God loves me, you know, and that's, they were seeing the hallmark version of God's love. And they, they just couldn't get past that. And I, and I realized, boy, they, they just, they're just not really seeing biblical expression of God's love. They're our cultural expression of it because God's love is ugly. Ugly, lonely. We just get that picture in your mind for a minute, because that's what we just celebrated in the Lord's table, was that God clothed himself in flesh, allowed the flesh of his back from the shoulders all the way down to his calves to be stripped from him with a Roman scourge, to have a, a, Ro- a, a, a Roman guard's hammer, a crown of thorns onto his head, mocking him, spitting on him the whole time that they did that, and then to to spike him to a cross, to kill him. You know, when we look at the cross, what we see in there is mankind, what we see is humanity's hatred towards God, but in contrast to that, God's continuous, unfailing, outpouring love for us. You know, it's interesting that Jesus made his living as a craftsman made beautiful things out of raw materials. And when he was on the cross, he was doing the same thing, and he continues to do the same thing today. He takes you and I, raw material, craft amazing things out of sinful souls. Let's go to the text, Romans chapter 5. Read through this. I picked this text, well, because of Romans 5, 8. But as I was reading the whole of it, uh, verses 1 through 11, I picked this text because I picked a better Advent text than all the rest of the guys that are going to speak about Because uh, I got all four elements in one passage. You ready for that? Here it comes. Okay. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we Rejoice, I won't say any more, trust me, in hope, glory of God. 
Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the forgiveness. And again, we have to understand this love that has been poured into our hearts is not the, the cultural version of love. It's God's. Oh, the clock quit. Boy, you guys in trouble. <laughs> Looked up and said, where's all your clocks you got last night? Could have brought in a spare. <laughs> As we continue reading verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person he die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's one worth repeating, one worth highlighting in your Bible. But God shows his love for us in while that we were still what? Sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still, while we were at our worst, while we were moving as opposite a direction from God as we could possibly move, he still poured out his dying for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And that's worth parking on for a minute. Honor that being saved through Jesus, by Jesus, from the wrath of God. Because you see, that's that's really where we're all headed, apart from Christ. That's that's the only direction we can go because of our sinfulness, our wickedness, and our and our rebellion. And that really is the picture. It's not a nice picture, it's an ugly picture, but it's a true picture of, of who we are. Uh, I, I, my wife likes to watch documentaries and things like that. But uh, once in a while, I'll sit down and I'll get sucked into whatever it is that she's watching and find out that I actually enjoy that. There's this there's this show that was coming on that that come on years ago called I Survive, and I watched a few of those episodes with her. And the only one that I can vividly recall is the one where a uh, a, fa- a father and a daughter uh, were taking their annual hike to Glacier National Park, right? And and this was a special hike because um, she was going off to college. So it's kind of a daddy-daughter date out there, and and off they go, and they're they're up on this they're up in this high pass, and there's just a, a sheer cliff kind of off to the side of them, and no place to go on this side. There's just the trail, and they come around the bend, and they come face to face with a grizzly sow and her cub. The grizzly sow did what a grizzly sow would do: protect the cub. Okay, um, and and if you've ever seen uh, a, a grizzly mother. Defending her cub. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Dad steps in front of his daughter. Heart. That's what it looks like when we talk about Jesus facing the wrath of God save us. He went head first. Straight into the maw of hell. That we could be saved. 
Verse 10, it continues on to say, if, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, there is a passage that is good theology, doctrine, and harp on this. We'll be here for the rest of the week. But I, I really want to focus on Romans 5 8. Um, when, when it talks about uh, while we were still sinners, uh, uh, one of the commentators that I was reading um, said that uh, you know it really describes us as helpless and ungodly. Helpless and ungodly. Uh, and, and it's used to describe uh, the condition of our soul. Wickedness. And it's wicked because that's never what God intended. But there's nothing about you or I that is righteous or good when Jesus Christ comes to this earth, born as a babe, laid in a manger. In fact, what Paul is doing in this passage is he's contrasting the worth of the life laid down, okay, the worth of Jesus Christ, and he's contrasting that to the well, the unworthiness of the beneficiaries of this sacrifice. You know, it's our tendency to look at one another. It's our tendency to look uh, towards other people as somebody that merits love because they're somehow righteous or good. Okay? Or then they don't deserve our love because they're somehow not righteous or good to us. But the reality is, is that there's no one righteous. No one. There is no one who is even though that's our condition, nevertheless, loves us in that condition. And his provision of his own son, our Savior, demonstrates the depths of that love. We all know John 3.16, right? Best Christmas ever. For God so loved everyone. Translate the world. For God so loved everyone. That he gave his one. That whoever believes in him would not perish. If found in Jesus Christ. So you see, here it is. Here's the real Hallmark story. By the way, Hallmark, the word, uh, here, here's where we get that word, or here's the origin of it. A hallmark was a mark stamped on articles of gold, silver, and platinum, precious metals. Got that? A hallmark is a mark stamped on precious metals, certifying standard their purity. Jesus, Jesus is what takes this sinner, transforms it. So this real thing, this real hallmark, well, it kind of does show up in the world, doesn't it? Is some unloved soul wandering through life seems to be beyond any kind of connection with anybody, friendship and things like that. Somehow they end up in
unloved soul is lost, searching for any counterfeit that we can, only to find it not satisfying, and unexpectedly, undeservedly, inexplicably. I like Christmas songs, and there's one that's been kind of playing in my head a little bit lately, and I realize that this this song probably demonstrates Romans 5.8 better than any other Christmas song I can think of. It's really kind of interesting. Uh, back in, I think it was in the 18, or I'm sorry, the early 1900s, um, the, there was this man, Jacob Niles is his name. He was wounded during World War One, and so he came back to the United States, and he just kind of was wandering along the Appalachian region, and uh, he was writing poems and things like that, and he wandered into this uh, this town, Murphy, North Carolina. And in Murphy, North Carolina, there was this evangelistic family, um, uh, the Morgans. Okay, Now, uh, to say that they were an evangelistic family, they were a team of evangelists that traveled about throughout the Appalachian regions and stuff like that. And that's really kind of the kindest term that we can use for them because in reality, they, they, they always ended up being a public nuisance. Do the work of an evangelist, but don't be a public nuisance. Right? So they basically, the police were there to escort them out of town. And so they requested, can they have one more gathering <laughs> to take an offering <laughs> to cover their expenses so that they could leave town? That's probably the most successful offering a preacher ever gets, right? <laughs> oh, you're leaving town? Here you go. <laughs> so anyway, their daughter, they're poor, you know, they're poor, they're poverty stricken. Their poor little daughter, Annie, um, she got up and she warbled out this like seven lines and she kept repeating them. And, and, and uh, Niles was there, Jacob Niles was there and he listened to that and he wrote that line down, this one particular line that kind of registered. And then he wrote the Christmas I wonder, I wonder. And, and, and here's, here's the, the line. I, I wonder as I wander out under the sky how Jesus, Savior, did come for to die. For poor, ornery people like you and like I, I wonder as I wander but there it was, Romans 5, 8, how Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor ornery creatures like you and like I. Apparently her grammar was right along the lines with Yoda. And now here's something interesting, the word ornery, I got called that a lot growing up. Well, I still get called that. Um, uh, in, in Appalachia, that it was slang, for, and it could be interpreted two different ways. One, uh, being stubborn, the other being ordinary. But ornery is just kind of a contraction stubborn and ordinary. That's who Jesus is. So what does all this mean? Well, this, this means, it should mean, you and I have to make a decision. If, if God loved us in that manner, then right here now today, you and I have to make a decision. And that decision might be just to receive that love if we've never received it or else to walk. So uh, and before Jesus went to that cross, he gathered his 
his uh, apostles together for one last very intimate teaching. And we find that in John chapters 13, 14, 15, uh, 16. Then he goes to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane. Arrested. And here's, here's what John 13, verses 34 through 35 says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also ought to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So basically what that passage said there is that you and I, we should love as Jesus loved. That's what we're created to do. And, and we should love people so well that they know that Jesus loves them. When he says, by this all men will know that you are my followers, my disciples, um, basically he's saying this is all mine. It's not how often you go to church. It's not how well you uh, can quote scripture. It's not how solid your theology is. It's not how much goes into the offering plate, how, how often you serve and things like that. It's, it's really this. It's how, if we love people the way that Jesus loved us, then we've got to remember that that love is not the culture's love. Later on in John chapter 15, he says this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And when Jesus used the word friends, because he went on to qualify that word a little bit later, uh, he basically said, you're my friend, you don't deserve without deserving it. So as Christians, all of humanity. And we're told to love just as Jesus loved, and the way we do that is by laying down our life. So uh, this is how we uh, this is how we can love by laying down our life. Okay, um, we can demonstrate forgiveness. We can love by demonstrating forgiveness. Jesus made it pretty clear that 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 we should forgive just as we have been forgiven. In fact, uh, we're fooling ourselves in thinking we're forgiving if we are not ourselves a forgiving people. And that should make every single one of us pause right now because every single one of us has someone we someone that we need to release ourselves all that anger. From whatever offense, we should choose to do that right now in our hearts and follow up with that by letting that person know. Like we love. It's demonstrated by showing kindness to those who are least deserving. You know, if you think about it for a minute, I bet you can make a list of people that do not deserve your kindness. God did not treat us. He poured out his kindness, poured out his love into us when we least and, and if we can make that list, then that's just God giving us a real practical way to start loving people the way that he loved us. Start thinking, how can I show kindness to you? Simple as sitting down and writing a Christmas card. 
walking out and buying a cup of coffee. It's demonstrated across political, social, and theological lines. Uh, we have just got to get over this American BS of going to our own corners constantly and never interacting with the rest of humanity. It really is something that, that, that we do poorly here in our country. You know, and we start sorting out, who are the people I'm going to rub shoulders with? Well, they're going to be people that are politically on my side, theologically, I agree with me so that we don't get in arguments over the Bible and things like that. Um, you know, they're, they're going to fit in my social circle and all that. And that's just got to be done. That's got to be done. It, it should not matter where that person stands in the socioeconomic platform of craziness that we've created. Uh, it, it, it sh even if they're totally opposite of us politically, um, it, we all we're called to do, we're just called to love them. We're not called to agree with them. We're just called to love them the way that God has loved us. It means putting ourselves in uncomfortable circumstances. Because I can't find anything about the cross that resembles a lazy boy recliner. And sad to say that, you know, in the American church, we've created an environment of Today, if I'm really going to love the way that God loves, I'm going to find myself no longer in my comfort zone. And if I'm really going to lay my life down, then that means I'm going to take the self and I'm going to crucify it. That part of me that thinks about me all the time. That part of me that says my interests come before other people's interests. That part of me that says, oh, you know, the whole galaxy kind of just revolves around me. That's got to die. That's got to die. It needs to die in others. But really, as Christians, when it comes to loving others, there's, there really is no restrictions on who should be the recipients of that love. Um, there should be no excuses from us about why we're not loving that person, and there should be no whining. What's that? You should say. No, it's all I was still. So I said love is as ugly as a Roman cross. Uh, people often speak of love as if, as if it's this delicate, fragile, uh, ephemeral thing that's made out of wisps and rainbows. Love. The love of God has dirt on its face. It's got blood on its knuckles, ashes in its hair. And it probably just spat out a tooth as it gets back up one more time to give it another go. Because God's love does not. It's a love that will dive into the fire. Uh, it, will, it will plunge into the breaches to, to find the captive beyond the walls. It will assault the beaches and go face on into the machine gun nest and keep going and never stop. It's that kind of love. This love is unflinching from other people's toxicity. say that again, because we really like that word. It becomes our hallmark. The love of God is It batters down walls, it uproots thorns. The love of God is blood-stained, sweat-soaked, streaks of tears. 
in the Apostle Paul's words, this is the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures. Love is battle-scarred. believe that kind of love. That might be the biggest struggle of faith a person can have. That God would love one such as I. The Bible declares it to us in spirit. The Bible says, believe and receive. You will have righteousness. So I'm just going to implore you today that not receive the approach Christmas, you unwrap that. God loves you so much. Take on a cost. Can you imagine that God expects us to love others the same way us? Jesus said, go and do likewise. Lord, as we Close this time in your word. We, we pray, Lord, that you would just cause your love to, to blow up in us. That there would just be an explosion that would completely wreck us. That it would just dismantle us. So that from that, God, you could shape us into followers of Jesus Christ, walking in the image that we were created and redeemed to walk in. Lord, may we be a people who not just receive your love, but that distribute your love everywhere we go. May this Christmas season be a season in which people are immensely loved by us through you. God, would you have your way in us, we pray in Jesus' name.
His body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Common ground, may you go forth with hope, with peace, and in love. Be blessed and have a wonderful week.